0: Ambulance-chasing lawyer of an ex-husband lay next to me in bed, arms behind his head, a scowl on his face. No one calls me Dan anymore, he said. Everyone calls me Chip. All except you and those buffoons down at Legal Aid. Where's Steve? Steve? You mean that punk photographer? How in the bejesus am I supposed to know? Stiletto's return from overseas. Must have been a dream. My stomach felt weak and nauseous. I was afraid I'd throw up, maybe. And a headache. Oh, such a headache. Like I'd been crowned by an anvil. I think I'm going to be sick. I croaked. Wouldn't be surprised, considering the condition you came home in last night, Bubbles. Dan threw back the covers... Revealing his blubbery belly and a pair of ripped, yellow-striped boxer shorts. Boy, were you sloshed. You passed out here right on the convertible couch. I was not sloshed. I lied. I was just very, very tired. Right. And as a former Lehigh University frat boy, I don't know from tanked. Dan snorted as he made his way to the bathroom. Getting blotto was my major. I graduated summa cum laude in alcohol overload. Could Dan have been right? Could I, Bubbles Yablonski, 34-year-old single mother, hairdresser, aspiring investigative journalist, and one of the few living Polish-Lithuanian Barbie dolls in Lehigh, Pennsylvania, have allowed myself to get gasp? Tipsy? No. I never touch alcohol. It tastes gross, and... I dropped the sheet. I was still wearing my spiffy, fire-engine-red sequined dress, now wrinkled and reeking of cigarette smoke. My black hose were bunched at the ankles, and a gigantic run exposed my big toe. Oh, I collapsed in a heap of self-loathing, painfully recalling how I'd spent the night before at the bachelorette party for Lehigh Police Department records clerk Janice Kramer, fiancé of Detective Mickey Sinkler, and my best source for sealed search warrants. It was those darn strawberry kiwi jello shots Janice's co-workers at the police department brought to the party. They must have been spiked. I winced at the memory of me howling Leonard Skinner's free bird, into the karaoke machine at Uncle Manny's Bar and Grill, which had opened on a Sunday night just to host our festivities. Janice had covered her mouth first in shock and then in delight when I jumped onto the pool table to play air guitar while the other partygoers whooped and cheered. Only Manny had remained glum, his eyes glaring at my spiked heels digging into the green felt. To top it off, I had evidently teetered home and passed out next to my ex Dan the man who at the insistence of our daughter Jane had been sleeping on our pull-out couch ever since his socialite wife Wendy had given him the heave ho two weeks ago of this I was certain however while I had slept with Dan I had not slept with Dan a bug trap full of Spanish flies couldn't make me do that what I needed was sleep. A tall glass of ginger ale, two aspirin, and a hot shower with plenty of ivory soap. But mostly sleep. I closed my eyes and drifted off. Hey, aren't you supposed to be getting ready for that wedding? Dan was suited up for his legal aid job and munching on a hoagie. I thought by the time I returned for lunch, you'd be long gone. It's eleven-thirty. It's eleven-thirty. Mickey and Janice's wedding. It was supposed to be at noon. And I was the maid of honor. How long did I sleep? Dan checked his watch. About four hours. Why didn't you wake me? What do I look like, your personal valet? I leapt out of bed. Here I was, unwashed and hungover, lazing about while Mickey's sweet bride, a kind and shy woman, who had trusted me to lead her down the aisle, was probably pacing the narthex in frantic worry. Ugh. I pushed Dan aside and scrambled up the stairs to the bathroom. Usually a bubble's deluxe took a good forty-five minutes if my sunshine blonde number eight locks were to be teased and sprayed into an indestructible beehive. Eyebrow penciling alone could eat up five. I had, what, ten minutes tops, to shower and change into a bow peep bridesmaid's outfit, complete with hoop-skirt, bonnet, and satin-covered staff. There was no way I could get to the church in time. At best, I'd arrive right when Nicky and Janice were exchanging vows. But I needn't have rushed. For, as I was soon to discover, there would be no blushing bride and beaming groom emerging from St. Lenny's Southside Catholic Church. No dollar dance at Walps and fancy smorgasbord. No four-night, three-day honeymoon in the Pocono Mountains, sipping sparkling wine by a hotel paw-pack heart-shaped bathtub. There would be no wedding. Only murder. Looking back, I blame the Skinnerd. Chapter Two It took extra effort to squeeze the bow Peep hoop skirt under the low wheel of my three-toned Camaro. With one final shove, I closed the door and stuck the satin-covered staff out the passenger side window. Then I stepped on the gas and headed pell-mell for St. Lenny's on the south side. I zipped through the heart of Lehigh, Pennsylvania, a gritty steel town on the New Jersey border, and my lifelong home. I sped down Main Street... Past Orr's department store, the Moravian bookshop, and the Hotel Lehigh, onto the cobblestone streets of the historic district, and past the modern library. Then I crossed the Fahey Bridge, where once I had dangled in peril, straight to the south side, home to Lehigh's massive rust red steel factory, railroad, and shipping yards. Lehigh's south side is the side of town where the steel executives, with their big stone houses, backyard tennis courts, and crystal blue swimming pools, don't live. The south side is lined with neat row homes, housing workers of Czech, German, Italian, Puerto Rican, and Polish descent. The people who actually labor in the suffocating steel plants, pouring molten metal into big sand molds, and passing iron bars under super-sharp fiery blades that can cut and sear a man's fingers in one quick slice. I pulled up in front of St. Lenny's, which was run out of the former Big Strike bowling alley on Polk Street, next to the Portuguese club, and held services only at lunchtime, Monday through Thursday. Already the sound of taped organ music was flowing from the open doors, along with the bing-bong of pinball, since the priest's, had had the foresight to retain the bowling alley's old game room for restless children. As I made my way to the front steps, a short Puerto Rican man in white robes ran to meet me, his face a mask of worry. Chew bubbles, Yablonski? he asked, wringing his hands. I'm so sorry, I apologized. I slept late, and so glad you made it. He grabbed both my hands in his, shaking furiously. I'm Fernando, the sexton. don. You got the ride? It took me a minute to comprehend the words sex don, until I realized he was saying sexton. I drove. Fernando cupped his ear to hear over the music. In what car? I pointed to the Camaro. Aha! He glanced over my shoulder and nodded. Okay. We ready? He ushered me up the steps to the foyer where Myrtle, Mickey's zoftig cousin, was waiting in her pink and pale green shepherdess outfit. The foyer still smelled of spilled beer, cigarette smoke, and hot dogs, odors left over from the big strike days, an odd contrast to the sickening sweet incense wafting from behind the statue of the Madonna and Child. Myrtle shoved a bouquet of pink and white carnations into my hand. Mickey's gonna kill you, she whispered. You're twenty minutes late. Where's Janice? Where's Janice? I repeated stupidly. How was I supposed to know where Janice was? She was coming with her Uncle Elwood.